Mason in the middle. And what a finish that is. Mason mounts. That is extraordinary from Fikayo Tomori. Loses Callum Hudson. And oh, and there it is. His first goal for Chelsea, the teenager. A moment he will remember. Hello and welcome back to the Chelsea Spot Podcast. I am Orlando, I'm going to be the host for today. You can find all our links in the description, including Spotify, iTunes, our website, and obviously, if you haven't already, follow us on our Twitter and Instagram pages. Today, um, we're going to be doing a bit of a reaction to the game that has just uh, taken place. Uh, The 3-2 loss to West Ham, which we're all very, very disappointed about. to do that, I'm going to be joined uh, by two of our fantastic writers. Uh, first, them being Jordan. This is, I think, his second appearance on the pod. Welcome, Jordan. All right, thanks for having me again. No problem. And then the second one uh, is Danny, who is pretty much a, a resident of this podcast by now. He's, he's, I don't even know how many times he's been on now. Quite a few. Yeah, yeah. I'm loving it, loving it. Keep coming back for more. <laughs> All right. So, you know... Um, it was not the best game, I think, to put it mildly from, from the Blues. You know, it was terrible, to be honest. 3-2 um, loss against a team that are kind of fighting to stay up in the league. I think we're going to get straight into it. We're going to talk about uh, each goal, what, we, what our opinions on, on those were. Um, there were actually six goals in this game, although, you know... that only five of them counted. So the first goal in the game was ruled out by VAR and that was scored well. I would have thought by Thomas Suchek, but according to the VAR, it seems like Mikhail Antonio got a touch on that um, and that's why it was ruled out. I mean, I know, obviously, everyone will know by now that I'm a referee, so I'll give my opinion on that from a referee's perspective in a second. But from fans' perspective, what did you think, Danny? Well... For me, it was just pure relief, and it's hard to not come at it from a, a biased uh, standpoint. Obviously, Mikhail Antonio was down, and I think his half his head was in an offside position. Marcus Alonso's back foot was was quite far back, so he was he was playing some of Antonio on, uh, and it took the VAR about three three and a half minutes to to call it. And you feel that when it's taking taking that long to make a decision it should probably be given as a goal um but you guys have to let me know because i was just so so happy it wasn't counted uh, uh, i could be letting my chelsea bias cloud my judgment really yeah so for me from a referee's perspective and also as a chelsea fan obviously i think we got really really lucky there because i cannot see how the VAR can see whether the ball has hit Mikel Antonio there from that angle. First of all, I can't believe that... Well, I'm fairly sure that the angle that they were showing on Sky Sports, that's what the VAR is looking at. I can't believe that that's the best angle that they've got. It's really, really poor, to be honest. They should be able to have a better angle to see whether it does the ball does hit Antonio because I don't think he's obstructing play. You know, He's not obstructing Kepa in any way. It was poor from him, in my opinion, anyway, in the first place to kind of come out like that. But either way, Antonio is not obstructing him. He's not getting in the way of play. So therefore, he's not active. Um, But if he didn't make an attempt to play the ball either. So that's another reason why he's not active. But obviously, if it hits him, then he is. So 
what I, the VAR must have decided that it has hit him because otherwise they, that that's they would never have given it. I think John Moss was was the VAR on the occasion, so he, he's clearly seen seen something to suggest or maybe heard from the on-field uh, pitch. Martin Atkinson maybe he's heard that the ball has hit Mikel Antonio. And in that case, then, yeah, it's, it's correct to, to rule out the goal. But I think we should count ourselves very, very lucky uh, from a Chelsea standpoint. And especially when, you know, we've... It's, I must be in double figures, the amount of goals you've conceded from corners this season by now. I, you, I think we just... A bit of luck, really. We, we've been on the wrong end of some of VAR decisions. Top of my head, I can think of. As well, Curtis Gargan as Liverpool, where Mounts, I think, toe was offside. But there's there's someone up in the VAR uh, studio now who's seen something clearly in that, and I think we could all agree. Fans at home, people, or uh, everyone in attendance can totally see that um, it was a goal, but everyone was deliberating at home in that for the duration that, I think, let's like, say, three and a half minutes. Surely it's going to be overturned in that. But like you say, I'm not well, I'm not a referee, so I'll, as a Chelsea perspective, and I'll, it was beneficial for us, but overall for the result, not at all. Yeah, so we found ourselves sort of on 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 the very very lucky end after that after that uh, goal got ruled out. So we were lucky to still for the scores to still be level, um, and then uh, it sort of came out of nothing really. Christian Pulisic picked up the ball just on the edge of the West Ham box. Uh, I think it was given to him by Marcus Alonso. Um, and and it was just poor defending, really, from from Issa Diop. But I think it has to be said that Christian Pulisic was by far the the best player on the pitch mm-hmm. in, in a blue shirt uh, tonight. What, what do you think about his performance and, in particular, um, that that uh, run of play that led to Williams' penalty, Jordan? He he's the one player in that game for Chelsea perspective and that who wanted to take the game and scrap at his neck. There's no one else on that pitch wanted to actually hurt the uh, the West Ham back four. I think they were playing Diop and Ogbonna, I think you said. Just literally sitting back and that Abraham wasn't able to run him behind. But Pulisic, I mean, he's in. if he wasn't playing today in that lot, like, I think we had no hope against uh, that West Ham team, obviously with the result going against us. But it was a clear penalty. Now, I think the comment- uh, commentators were saying, are they going to look at VAR and that? But Diop knew on his face that was a penalty in that. And the... Uh, the uh, Replay clearly showed that uh, Pulisic was fouled in the process and great penalty by William. Yeah, I think no one can really argue against that. A clear stonewall penalty and, and as you said, uh, well dispatched by, by our, our number 10. Um, and the next kind of main event in the match after that was yet again uh, about Thomas Suchek, the kind of six foot ten <laughs> Czech giant. I, I, I saw something on Twitter saying, you know, I'm, I'm 30% sure that West Ham signed him just to play against us. <laughs> because, you know, the, the amount, I think clubs must just sign two players just to target us because we're so bad in the air defensively. And it's, it's a really, real weak point. Um, and it's just really sad to see when, you know, you talk about how Chelsea is so good at, you know, linking play in, in the midfield third and the final third. We've got fantastic counter press, you know, great at creating chances. And then you have this thing where whenever we concede a corner, 
we just look completely vulnerable. And, uh, you know, my opinion on that is that it's just because the keeper will never catch a cross, which is extremely infuriating. And that's one of the reasons why I think we look so vulnerable. But in this case, I don't know whether there was so much we could do because Suchek is just so tall. Um, but having said that, Kepa has got to do better. And I think Danny's got some stuff to say about, you know, uh, the the marking and perhaps the choice of, of who was marking who in that penalty area. Yeah, for sure. So first thing to note is that you're only as strong as your weakest link. And it was clear from the get-go they were going to target us from uh, corners and, and long throws. Like They're getting Mikhail Antonio to launch it in the box. And who wouldn't, to be honest, because it's a guaranteed two or three goals a game. Uh, for the corner, was, was Azpilicueta meant to be picking up this six-foot-ten giant of an Eastern European man? It was, wasn't it? So Tammy Abraham is, what, six-three? He's a tall guy. He's got a decent jump. I think he'd be more suited on him. I mean, we've got taller players than Aspi. So there's a lack of organisation in there. And every time we can see the corner, you know Kepa isn't going to catch it. But what made it worse is he came for it and got stuck. And he just had no right to be that hapless. Like, he just left the goal gaping and, and we're punished on a stroke of half-time. It took the wind out of our sails and, and that really set the tone for the rest of the match. You could put a thousand to one on bet that we were conceived for half time of all the pressure we have. I think we had like one or two efforts on goal, didn't really create much in that. We had a few corners and stuff, but all it was was just giving the ball to Alonso to just whip in hopeless balls and that for the West Ham defence to just clear it. But it all comes down to, I've said it many times to everyone I speak to about Chelsea is um, Antonio Rudiger. He he makes me worry watching him with a football at his feet at times. And again, he has moments of brilliance, but all you got to do is kick out for a throw and that. But he just tries to play, tries to be too clever, and he's kicked out for the corner, which obviously inevitably comes into the uh, the box. And that, like you say, Asquith is marking the wrong man. There's no leadership between the two centre backs to dictate who's marking who. And like, I know it, everyone can blame Kepper as well, but he has to demand the box and that. He's probably one of the keepers in the Premier League who doesn't demand his box from crosses, punches, everything in particular. Yeah, I completely agree with that, really. Um, and I think in defence of Antonio Rudiger there, I think, to be fair to him, from me, my experiences of playing football and sometimes being a defender, you know, defending long throws are arguably a lot harder to defend than corners. So I can understand why he's perhaps decided to put it out for a corner rather than the throw, with with the fact in mind that West Ham have Mikhail Antonio on their team, who who's so good at launching the ball into the box from a throw, and so perhaps you can understand why he did that. But uh, you know, for me, the criticism definitely should not land on him for that goal. When there's a corner, it does not matter how the corner came came to happen. It does not matter the events that led to that corner happening. What matters is. You know, you've got to defend the corner. There's a corner. He's going to take it. You have got to prevent the ball from going in the back of the net. And we, time and time again, we just fail to do that. And it's so, so frustrating. Um, and I'm Frank Lampard's biggest fan, but it, surely it comes down to him. I don't. 
for me, I don't understand why it can't be so hard to, you know, just sign a sign a set piece specialist coach. If Frank Lampard doesn't isn't so good at, you know, coaching defending set pieces, that's fair enough. He's he's an inexperienced coach, um, and he wasn't a defender when he played either. So I can understand that, but surely you've got to have someone at the club who who's good at coaching it. Or I I'm not really well positioned to say to be honest, because I don't know. It could just be that the players on the pitch just switch off every time you can see the corner. And there's no, re- there's no real way of knowing. But either way, something must be done about it next season because we're adding all this firepower to our ranks, attacking firepower in Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech. And if we, can't, if we look vulnerable the minute we can see the corner, what's the point of playing the, the, the other 89 minutes or whatever it is, if, we, if that's going to happen? But yeah, rant on that over. I'm going to move on to perhaps another event in the game that has more potential for ranting, especially from my perspective, actually, because I think although conceding a goal from a corner is bad, it can happen. And Suchek is one of the most aerially adept players in the league, to be honest. Um, but the next one is just inexcusable. When Antonio had his tap-in from Jared Bowen's course, it's ball watching at its finest from Andreas Christensen and Tony Rudiger. I know he went down, Antonio claiming a penalty and never a foul, but the ball dropped to Bowen and uh, Christensen and Rudiger, their eyes just just are fixated on the ball at Bowen's feet and it, it's exasperating to watch as a fan. But even if that was a club that I had no personal connection to, I would still be annoyed watching that defending because it is shambolic. You named the two CBs at fault for that, but one of them was Marcus Alonso. He he get he shows him on the outside, understandably, but there's no there's no effort in his play to try and close a player down on that. Not to mention Kepa's at fault for that one as well. I've seen many uh, people tweeting on Twitter about um his positioning for that one. I know the cross comes to the box should be dealt with, but he was his positioning. He was on the front post when he should be central to goal on that, which. Inarguably, if he was central goal, he probably would save it. I know it's Kepi probably might have sneaked in, but all in all, like the defending for the second goal is just, just not, just not what it is for a Chelsea football club. Yeah, and it, something else that really worried me all game was how much joy Mikel Antonio was getting. Like yeah. he should have been isolated, shouldn't he? We had Kante at the number six. He was meant to be screening the defense. Felt like every time they cleared the ball, Mikel Antonio got it. It just felt like he was always making things happen. Obviously, for the third, he linked it to uh, Yarmolenko, but he is essentially uh, a personal trainer out there on, on the pitch, and he, he just uses his, his massive frame. He is very skillful as well um, at times, but he just, he just bullied the defenders, and uh, and it wasn't nice to see, and uh, he took his goal well, but I was slightly worried he, he might have gotten a pen for when he was... Flew, uh, flung himself to the floor earlier, but in the end, it didn't matter. He's, he took it away. Um, it's very worrying, especially as Kepa was rooted to the spot in completely the wrong area. For when guys. is Kepa not rooted to the spot? Yeah. <laughs> you make a valid point. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I was going to say this. I don't think Kante should really take the blame for this because I actually think he had a, a very good game. Yeah, I agree. And we'll talk about that later. Um, uh, there, there are some specific things I want to say about Kante's display, but I'll leave that for later. In terms of Antonio, 
he is a very good player and I've always liked him in the fact that he even if he doesn't stay on the pitch for 90 minutes because he works so hard for the time that he is on the pitch he will give you 100% and more and he will work so hard work his socks off um, running the channels every single time the ball gets cleared but really when he's that one player at the top West Ham are playing a low block we have two centre-backs who are there their sole purpose is to be there when the ball gets cleared and be there as options for the ball to be recycled. And if they do not feel that purpose when they've only got one uh, one player kind of trying to prevent them from doing that against them too, it's just pointless. It's so, so frustrating to see. Every, like Danny said, every time where Sam cleared the ball, it's like you're playing FIFA. The striker's just right there. And the centre-backs seem to be doing nothing about it. They're not, not aware of where he's going to be. And to be fair, that may be testament to his great movement. But even still, when there's two of, two of us and one of him, it's unacceptable. And I felt like for that reason, we were really unable to keep West Ham under the cosh uh, and kind of get them to the point where they were going to break under pressure because they were able to relieve that pressure every time they got a clearance. And usually you see... Teams that you know dominate possession. Prime example being Man City. Every time, whoever they're playing manages to clear the ball. It doesn't matter because their centre backs will get it down straight away and and start distributing it again to the wide men or the or the midfielders. Um, but we were unable to do that because Antonio was such a terrier. But he, you know you can't be letting him do that. So very very frustrating. I think perhaps, moving on from that, perhaps the, the one moment in the match that was a moment of real pure quality was Williams' free kick. And I, I don't really have much to say, say on it apart from that. You know, it was obviously a, a blatant foul from Declan Rice that led up to it, but one that he had to make. Otherwise, you know, we were likely to score anyway. Um, and just just a really good strike to be honest. I don't know if you guys have anything more to say on yeah. that. Keeper, it reminded me of um, the William free kick against uh, Spurs in the cup final when we had contact. Oh yeah. But I was my my stream was thirty seconds behind and I was deliberating who to take. You had Mason Mount, obviously Alonso and William. I was thinking in my head Alonso is more accurate with his free kicks this season. And when it come up, William scoring, I was like, oh yes. But then you look at it, it's a good free kick, but. Um, you, the keeper, it's his side. You ha- he has to uh, has to save that, but he got us back in the game. William, to be fair, I've, I've been a critic to William, but he stuck out. He's turned into a bit of a DJ Drogba. He's always come come for the goods and big games. He's got some big goals for us. I know the result wasn't for us tonight, but like I say, he he comes up with the goods. It's a good free kick, um, but wasn't enough again. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, you yeah, go first. Yeah, you touched on, sorry about that, Danny, you, you touched on one of the things that I wanted to say, which is just people need to put some respect on William's name, to be honest. I, I see far too many on people on Twitter, and not even on Twitter, just people, I, Chelsea fans I talk with in day-to-day life, you know, they, people are often so disrespectful of William, and he's been a fantastic servant to the club, and I would really welcome him to stay for at least one more year. I know he's no chance he's going to sign a one-year contract, perhaps two um, perhaps he might back down on that and, and sign the two-year contract that uh, it's been reported we've offered to him. But, you know, he's giving, even if he's going to leave the club, he's giving his all in these last games. He's probably, apart from Pulisic, been our best player 
in, in these first four games. Um, and in vast contrast to someone we've seen like Ryan Fraser, who's been Bournemouth's best player over the last few years and just contract expiring, no, I'm not playing any more games. And it's, it's just, it couldn't be more different to William's attitude, which is, is so professional. And, and he's been really effective on the pitch as well. Um, so I think some respect needs to be put on his name uh, and a really, a really good display from him again tonight. Yeah, I thought something that was actually really impressive leading up to that was, was Pulisic's run to, to draw the free kick. Earlier when he won the penalty as well, it's very hazard-esque. He knows how to draw the foul. He's dynamic on the ball coming in from the left wing. And I just felt that our only chance of winning was giving the ball to Christian Pulisic. And I felt that after each time he scored, he'd have a run uh, and he'd go close. He'd drill a shot wide or, or it wouldn't quite work out. And then he wouldn't see the ball again for 10, 15 minutes. It was almost like Marcus Alonso was systemically not passing it to him at times. And it's so frustrating because you just want the danger man to be on the ball. And West Ham had no idea what to do with him. Uh, and I think if that game was played again, I just want Pulisic on the ball wherever possible because they just could not handle him. Going back to uh, Willian, he, the Chelsea fan base slate him for his numbers he's had. Um, obviously, he's below 100 goals in that in, in a Chelsea shirt, but it's when he doesn't score or contribute with assists, everyone's on his back in that because we expect the best. He's always been living in Hazard's shadow of the excellence of what he did for the club. But with Pulisic in that, he's, he is becoming, like you say, a Hazard-esque type player with the runs he's making that. But I think I said it last time I was on the pod, He uh, this game cried out for Hakim Ziyech and the team of Ver just to exploit, just running behind a West, this West Ham stubborn team, in all honesty. Um, like I say, Pulisic, but William and Pedro, uh, sorry, Pedro is at way out, but William and Pulisic were very good. They're the best two players besides Kante on the pitch for me. But um, yeah, I understand Pulisic is, he, he is, has our desk, his runs, draws fouls and eventually got the free kick goal on the penalty. Yeah, me, uh, Mash and Dan are actually talking about it on, on, I think, the last podcast or maybe, no, not the last one, but a podcast of about a week ago. Um how Pulisic really reminds us of Hazard. We were talking about that just after the Man City game, I think. Um, and the way he runs with the ball and he shifts gears and he accelerates without letting that affect his control over the ball. And not many players can do that well. Um, not many at all. And it is one of the things that Hazard was best at, one of his best attributes. So really reminiscent of him. And I think something that Danny said really made me think of Hazard, which is, you know, to win this game, we were really thinking, give the ball to Christian Pulisic. That's the only way we, we were going to win this game. And I, I just remember thinking that as a Chelsea fan so many times when we were kind of needed a goal, needed a bit of creativity. It's literally just pass it around until we can pass to Hazard and just let him do his thing. That's That was basically Sarri ball, wasn't it? Pass it around and give it to Hazard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very loosely. I'm going to have Sarri fans coming at me. <laughs> but, you know... Um, it was that to an extent. Um, so the William free kick that levelled the scores to two two, and I think I and I would imagine all Chelsea fans, you guys uh, as well, 
were thinking, you know, now it's 2-2, we can really push on. It was only the 60th minute or so, if I'm not mistaken. We can mm-hmm. really push on and get get this winner. You know, we should have no tr- no problems at the back anymore. We've we've already conceded two. We can't concede another. No way. Conceding three to West Ham, that can't happen. Um, obviously, that wasn't to be. But I think we all thought that we were going to push on and, and it was quite likely that we would get a winner. Uh, we brought on... Mason Mount and Ruben Loft. Actually, we brought on Mason Mount before uh, William's goal, but we brought on Ruben Loftus-Cheek. We also brought on Olivier Giroud, attacking changes. Um, I think Ruben did quite well when he came on, added some more some more attacking in- impetus. But we had chances, to be honest. Loftus-Cheek had one chance just shortly after he came on. Giroud had a really good chance from, I think, a cutback from either Alonso or Pulisic on the left-hand side. And he, he made a meal of it. He didn't really connect well. And uh, I, I was surprised. I thought I thought it was in, to be honest. I saw, as soon as I saw him make connection, but he, he didn't really make connection. So, <laughs> obviously, he didn't score. And I think he should have done. But, you know, obviously, I was rooting for us to get another, but it went the other way. Um, in... Uh, in classic Chelsea style, really, it reminded me of a Chelsea goal under Antonio Conte, perhaps the one that William scored, smash and grab at the Etihad um, a few years ago under Conte. And it reminded me of that, the way that they counterattacked so quickly. But they were picking up on it in the commentary. I think it was Gary Neville, the, the, the commentator. What is Antonio Rudiger doing? I'm sorry. Yarmolenko is one of the most one-footed players you're going to come up against in the Premier League. And he's just letting him come on, come in on that left foot so easily. And to be honest, for him, it's easy there. I know it's a 1v1 situation. I know Rudiger's just run the whole length of the pitch to get back. But you cannot let him do that. Just literally stand on his left foot and he probably won't score. With Rudiger, he, he tends to just sit off. He never goes all guns blazing to show him one way and that he just lets a player do what he wants to do and that and eventually West Ham have good players don't, don't get me wrong I know they set up defence in that because we were the informed team but like I know they've got Philippe Anderson Yarmolenko on Halas injured but we've had, we've played against Yarmolenko before in the Champions League a few years ago but we all know what he's about he's got a decent left foot and like, we, like I've said Rudiger has fought again for one of the goals and I think the commentator on Sky uh, Sports Gary Neville said it Alonso was shambolic getting back he let Yarmolenko I know he's got more energy just come on the pitch just let him run straight past him and, that. and as Gary Neville said he's, he's fighting for his place and I think when the camera went straight to Lampard and just his facial expression just showed that the, the left position is a priority Yeah so Gene Neville also said that uh, Alonso has two speeds, uh, his speed going forward to join in an attack and his speed coming back to help out defensively, which is non-existent. Uh, he's just a liability in the back four, which is a shame because I thought he played really well against City the other week. So he picked his moments. But at the end of the day, Yarmolenko is like a massively, massively downgraded Robin. He's going to cut in and he's going to shoot. And we knew that. And Antonio Rudiger, he said, look, Please come in on your left, have a crack. And we've got one of the worst keepers in the leagues, shot stopping wise. 
and you know he's going to score. You just as soon as Yarmolenko got the ball, I thought I'm turning off, uh, and they scored. So on the face of it, I don't think we can complain. I think we were awful, uh, bar bar a few players. So not many complaints uh, from our end. Well, I think. It is all all good and well kind of ranting about how bad it was and just talking about, you know, we have the worst keeper in the league, Rudiger's shocking. But in actual fact, Leicester lost today. We beat Man City last week. It is only one kind of bad result in, in a string of good results for us, really. Three wins on the bounce since the restart. So as long as we beat Watford on Sunday, I think it is. Um, I'm not going to be too mad because it, I think we, we all kind of foresaw this coming at some point. And although it is a very poor display, it is only one game. And I, I think we should be careful not to be too reactionary in the way we um, kind of assess things in in terms of the players we have and the tactics and all of that um but having said that we are gonna kind of speak on a thing that could lead us to, to be semi-reactionary and I want us to go through the lineup and have a think what this result could mean for certain players who started tonight uh, going forward and I think one of them the first one I want to talk about really is someone who I think most Chelsea fans would agree has been up there in the running for our player of the season, and that's Mateo Kovacic. Now, aside from when he came on uh, on, on Sunday at, at Leicester, he, he, he was good in that, but all his other performances um, since the restart have been pretty poor. He was subbed off against West Ham, uh, uh, sorry, against... Aston Villa in the first game. He didn't start v Man City in one of our biggest games of the season. Um, and he was, again, very underwhelming today and subbed off before the 60-minute mark. So I just wonder what this could mean for him going forward and with next season in, in sight. You know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek will be returning back to kind of full sharpness. Golo Kante's playing the number six position. Ross Barkley's in a good string of form and we know that Lampard likes him. I, I'm just wondering... Could could this possibly be a sign that he's not necessarily going to start every game for us? I think with Kovacic, it comes down to the team we play against. Against a, a Leicester City who are very good under Brennan Rodgers. They attack, they're attack-minded. And against City, in that when he come on, he was very, like, uh, very good on the ball, um, breaking things up. But with Kovacic, his best attribute is breaking the attack up and just dribbling past the centre midfielders. And against West Ham, against a low block with Declan Rice, who I thought had a pretty good game for West Ham. Um, it was the wrong decision to take him off, in my opinion, because I thought the player that had no effect on what the match whatsoever was Ross Barkley. But going back on Kovacic, you know, we've got all these players coming back, Loftus Sheet come back on, Mason Mount tried, tried to um, elevate the team's performance and that when he came on the pitch. Like you say, Kant is coming back. With, again, but going back to Kovacic, I believe he's best when he always plays alongside Jorginho because he, ta- he he is a leader in that midfield. And I'm, I, there must be something going behind the scenes to him not starting unless he's still got a knock or whatsoever or there's a Lampard's not favouring him. But 
with that, I think it's a bit 50-50. It depends on who he plays against, in my opinion, because I think you can't drop Kante for what he brings. Loftus-Cheek's coming back. But I'm I'm a bit up in the air with some of the players in that midfield, in my opinion. But Kovacic is still my player this season. Yeah, I think I think it's very harsh for him to be to be pulled off. I don't actually think he was poor. I think he was much better than than Ross at Boss. And obviously he yeah, Kovacic made way first. Um but yeah, you're completely right. He is known as a press resistant man. Uh so when you're playing a team that doesn't press, what's he really supposed to do? I thought he he was all right, but um uh, for me a more a point of contention was Kante's position, to be honest, and that affects the the other two slots, doesn't it? Because if you're going to have Kante as a six, you're probably going to want uh, two attacking eights. And uh, Kovacic, although he's brilliant, he's not a goal scorer. He's not he's not going to provide a, a ton of assists. So uh, it kind of throws that move that Frank has made. Kind of throws Kovacic's place into contention, in my opinion. Yeah, I think. The problem is with him that he's a bit of a glamorous player, isn't he? He loves to do those dribbles that he is fantastic at doing, but he tends to go on a mazy run and then pass it backwards. And it's just like, well, what was the point in that? Um, And I heard someone say um, he's probably one of the best middle third players in, in the world. You know, Matteo middle third Kovacic uh, is, mm-hmm. is, is my new name for him. Because aside from that, he doesn't really offer anything. And that's, that's the sad truth. Defensively, he's not very good. Um, he, he just slide tackles all the time, which is really pointless. Um, and then attacking, going forward, he, he doesn't offer much in terms of goals and assists and breaking down defences, especially low blocks. So when do you have a game like this? you can understand why Mateo Kovacic is being the first player to be subbed off. And unfortunately, in the Premier League, these are the type of teams you come up against week in, week out. And he just doesn't do enough for me. And I think Frank Lampard's starting to kind of um, subscribe to that view as well. And I think that's also one of the reasons why we haven't even seen Jorginho feature once since the restart. He's just... He he doesn't offer anything going forward. He's got like two assists in two years for Chelsea and he can he's only scored penalties so it's what's the point in having him playing when you've got N'Golo Kante who offers so much more defensively and I would argue and I think most people would agree with well should agree with this anyway that he, he offers more going forward as well in terms of uh, looking looking to play on the turn looking to break the lines um, and better passer as well um, I've just got quotes coming in here from Lampard speaking to Sky Sports. Um, so I'm just going to read out the quote and perhaps we can analyse what he's saying a bit. Uh, he said, It's the story of our season. We have had many of these moments. It was a chance to go third, but you have to do every part of the game to get them. The players in those moments have to show an extra mentality to get through a game like this. I've seen us play great games, but then I've seen opportunities to jump teams or close points, but we haven't taken them. It shows the work that we have to do. You feel like we were the team who could have won, but you know with Antonio it can stick. We have to do better. There is no need for me to be down that it's a game we should win tonight. 
I think that really sums up how we're all feeling, to be honest. It's a quote that really stands out, out to me is, it shows the work we have to do. We just beat one of Europe's best sides last week, but what was the point if we're going to lose to a relegation threatened team? So it, 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 it does, it shows the work that we have to do, and we really... It is only Lampard's first season. Of course, we're going to be far from the finished product. Um, so I think really these things happen. You know, he's saying there's no need for him to be down. But again, it is a game that we should win. Um, I don't know if you guys have any further thoughts on that. Just touching on his quotes and now uh, just watched a couple of them. They're saying about the story of the season. You can just see in his expressions and his tone of voice and that he's, he's fuming about the result. It's, it's a chance to go third. Clear daylight above United again, five points clear. But I mean, we haven't won at West Ham since London Stadium's it's been open for them, I believe. And I, I keep reiterating that there's so much we need to do in this team. We're not the finished product in that. It's his first season, granted. But there are players who he's looking to bring in. I know he's already got two coming in and there's been so many targets to link with. But we need to prioritise the positions that all Chelsea fans saw. Sorry to interrupt, but. I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with being not being the finished product. You said you know it's his first season, but so what? You know that that's the way it is. I, I don't see why that should be a, re, a point to criticise on. With the, with I mean with the finished product. I mean I know it's his first season. He's a, he's a he's our club legend, top goal scorer. But I think now we can sign these players in that like a left back, centre back. I think we all all want after watching that performance and that like, I think when you see you see the teams going for the top four and that it could prioritise certain signings as well but um, I know we're not like say the finished products and that and I, I'm grateful that where we are with the young players and that we've been crying up for this for so many years with the academy just we've got but when you see us dominate us dominate to an extent against a West Ham team who's fighting for relegate but fighting for the lives in the league and seeing some of the performance and that it does really infuriate See Lampard himself and my, myself as a Chelsea fan. Yeah, I think I think the the thing with me is that we've heard this post match interview before, like the loss to Southampton at home, the loss to West Ham at home, losing to Everton away. These are all games we should be winning, and it always comes down to we need to work. But but these results are happening in November, December, and I, I'm not questioning fact at all. I think he's. He's shown how, how good a manager he is, how pragmatic he is, but something must be going wrong at the training ground or not, not being focused on because it feels like the, the aim of the game is to give it to Marc Alonso or William and have them whipping a the ball that with Tammy the only one in the box and it never comes off. So we need another plan other than give it Pulisic or, or spam crosses into the box that go to no one and... I think that is something that needs addressing ASAP. Yeah, I think that is somewhat fair to say, but in my opinion, what we've shown since the restart is a clear plan in Frank, how he wants to play with Kante at the base in that midfield, with the two creative attacking eight two, driving at the defence, making things happen with passing and shooting. And wingers who we like to create 1v1s wide, I think... Christian Pulisic, I've been so happy with how he turned out to be, and I did actually predict that. I don't, I don't know if you guys uh, have listened to it, but on on one of the podcasts we did previewing the restart of the season uh, with with Ameo, we 
we did predictions of certain things and one of the things we said was who's going to be Chelsea's best player and I, I said Christian Pulisic so I'm quite happy with that that prediction so far but having said that I'm extremely excited for the return of Callum Hudson-Odoi because I think in a similar vein they're quite similar players in some ways um, I think Callum is going to do brilliantly and I'm really excited to see to see how how he does returning from a small injury. Another player who we said we were going to talk about, I've just alluded to him there, uh, at the base of our midfield, the number six, Mr Angolo Kante. I thought he had a fantastic game today, despite the result. He, he, what he did is what people think Jorginho does. He controlled the game. He, he, was, he was the orchestrator. He played passes short and long. He chose when to inject pace to the game. I, obviously, we, we didn't win the game, but let's be honest, we controlled it. We, we had the majority of possession. We, we were the ones choosing uh, the pace of the game. So, yeah, I, I know, Jordan, you, you said you agree with me that Kante had a really good game. Anything else to say, to say on him there? Uh, Kante, we know we have at the Chelsea Football Club when he's match fit. Even when we won, obviously, the first season, him and Matic under Conte when we won the league. Um, he showed, when, when we were whipping those crossing the box and that, you need a midfielder just to sit and just um, manage the counter-attack from the West Ham point of view. And like I say, can they offer what Jorginho has for the crosses, the passing, um, and all above and that? He's he, he's one player that won't be... like. Um, Regarding as a performance player today, my opinion. Yeah, so I, I'm doing a an article for the Chelsea Spot at the moment about uh, Frank's plans going forward, and it looks very much like he can take the six um, with two attacking eights flanking him. Is is a system that sets stay? Um, I definitely appreciate that in games like against Manchester City uh, and the games coming up against Liverpool. Um, he was absolutely immense against City the other day uh, I was actually I'm slightly surprised that Jorginho wasn't picked today because his, mor- his morale must be through the floor let's be honest he was integral before the um, before the uh, break in the season and now he, he's being completely shunted out um, and I think against teams with the low block like Aston Villa and um, uh, and West Ham we're crying out for a bit more creativity, maybe we don't need that as much uh, a defensive engine at, at six because they're not going to come at us as much. But at the same time, I agree with Orlando. I think Jorginho hasn't offered much going forward this season. His assists show that. Uh, and Kante does control the game quite well. Uh, I just think there's definitely scope for improvement. Uh, he often takes a safe pass uh, instead of maybe being a bit more adventurous. But I, I'm very confident that a world-class player like himself will, will work on that in training, and, and he could be the perfect six for sure in the future. I think it's interesting what you say there about perhaps having a more creative number six when we come up against the low-block teams. And I personally don't rate Jorginho at all. I think everybody knows that by now. And um, But... I was surprised not to see him start against Leicester because I I do feel a bit bad for him how he's been completely isolated. He didn't even come off the bench. He hasn't played a single minute since the restart. So, like you said, his morale must be 
through the floor. I do feel a bit bad for him in that respect. However, for me, if we are going to play a more creative six or someone who whose first thought is more to attack than to defend, I would be all for playing Mateo Kovacic there rather than Jorginho. I think that could work really well. Um, and actually, in some games, I would... May, not in not in uh, games like this, but perhaps against um, teams who prefer to not not the best teams, but teams who aren't going to play low blocks. So, for example, maybe like an Everton or or an Arsenal, <laughs> someone like that. Um, the table. You know, um, I would prefer to have. Kovacic as the six and Kante as the eight because Kante has so much more dynamism and he likes to get up and down. So I think that could be an option that Frank kind of plays around with swapping those two guys around. Um, but then obviously we've also got Mason Mount, who's in my opinion been our player of the season this season or definitely up there. We've got Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming back from injury. We've got Ross Barkley in a, in, a, in good form. We've also got Billy Gilmore who can play either six or eight really to great effect. Fantastic player. Um, so we've got loads of midfield options, um, and uh, like you say, Danny, I'll be I'll be excited to read your article on that and how how you think he'll make it work. Um, another player who we've already touched on a bit, but Marcus Alonso. What do we think, guys? For me, he's fantastic in a five, and of late has actually been decent in a four. To my surprise. He has been quite good, but today he was not good at all. Um, I think left-back is definitely our first priority now that we've signed... Uh, well, even before we signed the Burner, I would have made left-back our first priority in the transfer market. Um, but even more so that now we've signed two attacking players, I think left-back should definitely be what we get next. I, I, I would love Ben Chilwell, despite what some people have to say about him. Danny in particular, um, <laughs> we can have that debate if you want in a second. But first of all, Marcus Alonso, I'd love to keep him around, even if he's not going to start every game. But just for that extra option to play in, in the five. Yeah, so unlike with Emerson, where there's, I'm not really sure what he brings. He's not good going forward. He's not good going back. Alonso at least... Uh, wears his heart on his sleeve. You know he's a good, uh, good going forwards. So he didn't really show it today, but especially in the, in a in a back five, he excelled in the Conte, uh, and has actually scored I think four for us this season. Um, but he's he's good to have around. But what what disappointed me today was how good he was against Mares, who actually bodied Chilwell when they played around Christmas. Alonso pocketed Mares the other day, and now. He's getting overrun by Yarmolenko and, and Jared Bowen. I'm not saying they're bad players, but, but they're not Riyad Mahrez. And he's just so consistently inconsistent. And I definitely think uh, left-back needs addressing. It's about his positioning. Um, he's a left-wing-back, don't get me wrong. And against Mahrez, I touched on, the whole game he was probably in our half and that didn't have have to go up and down the pitch like tonight where he was he was out of position for the um Yarmenko goal. But um left back is a worry. I mean Emerson can't play that left wing back position uh, position. He's tried that Lampard has against Spurs. But um we can probably debate on who to sign, but I think any 
the targets the club have been looked of looking at will will make a big difference. I keep Alonso in around the club just for the the three five two formation or three five three, sorry. Um but left back does worry me big time. Yeah, I think it's pretty certain that we'll sign someone to be honest or Perhaps, you know, if we don't, we could see Martin be give a shot. Either way, I would be welcome. I'd welcome either of those two. I'm just going to read a few more quotes um, from Lampard's presser about 10 minutes ago. Uh, when asked um, whether he was let down by the defence, he, he replied saying, no, not let down by them. We had mistakes by all, which cost us the game. I wouldn't call it a wake-up call because every game is different. It can happen. It's something we knew. We have to move on. So, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. It's what I've been saying this whole podcast, really. We've we got to just move on. Um, on set-piece goals, uh, he, he said, when a team is bigger than you, as they were today, then you can work on it as much as you want, but they can out-jump you. The players have to deal with that on the pitch. I think that's true in some respects. But, Danny, maybe you want to speak on that. As you alluded to, the marking, perhaps we should have switched around who, well, like Azpilicueta, Suchek is such a mismatch. Yeah, so there's there's a degree of common sense required, isn't there? So, if you've got a, a five foot ten cent, uh, right back uh, and you've got a six foot ten man mountain, you should really be getting one of your tall centre-backs or even Tammy Abraham to mark him. It's not rocket science. Uh, and again, I'm just thinking about Liverpool and uh, they've revolutionised the league. But most importantly, their set pieces are incredible. They score a lot and they don't concede many. Uh, and they clearly just get drilled on it in training every week. Uh, they're not hugely taller than us. All right, Chelsea don't have a very tall squad. I think we're the sixth smallest in the league on average. But I think that... I think height isn't really a good enough factor to pin uh, pin all our troubles on. It's just getting ridiculous now. It feels like every game we're conceding a goal from a set piece, or if not, uh, especially a, cross. a corner. Yeah, especially a corner. For me, though, the main thing is Kepa Aretha Balaga. I have zero confidence in him coming out to collect the ball, like we saw with their first goal. He just he doesn't have any confidence in in himself. Uh, and I think that's reflecting on the pitch, and the centre-backs conf- uh, have no confidence in him, so there's just so much confusion around that six-yard box, and it's our kryptonite. I've just seen a, a worrying stat about what you just said, Danny, about corners. Yeah. Uh, that's our ninth corner goal we've, in the Premier League we can see this season from 109 face. That's mad. Which is... That's ten, nearly 10%. 8. 8. It's meant to be 3%. That's very, it. very worrying. Yeah. My, definitely everyone going to agree. That is really bad. One in 10 corners we can see. That is awful. Anyway. It's, it's, it's the keeper. It's Everyone can say the keeper, the defence, everything. It's communication. Who's marking who? Does Lampard go zone or does he go man mark? But it's all a blend of all of them together, in yeah. my opinion, from watching that today. I agree with that. And I think it all comes down to kind of a lack of confidence, perhaps caused by the, the uh, lack of a, a goalie who's going to come out and claim the cross. And also, I think, really, we just lose focus every time, which is it's terrible. But hopefully it'll be addressed. Um, next question he was asked was on uh, Christian Pulisic's performance. He said, it's a big positive. He's playing well. Willian as well, getting two goals. He was playing well towards this level before he got injured. 
and he's only going to get better. So, yeah, just really saying what we all know, to be honest, he, he is, what, 21, I think. Of mm-hmm. course, he's only going to get better, but already at, at such a tender age. His numbers are very good. Perform, yeah, performing to such a high level. So, yeah, very exciting for us Chelsea fans. Um, and then uh, the, the last question he was asked was about uh, perhaps do Chelsea players have a mentality of not getting top three? And he said, um, I think it's something that has, which has happened this season. We have a lot of hard work to do. We have to work towards consistency. That's something you said, Danny. Um, mm-hmm. We have Watford at the weekend and we have to carry on. And he's spoken about Watford at the weekend and that is exactly what we're going to do now. Um, obviously, we do play Watford at Stamford Bridge on Saturday at 8 o'clock uh, UK time. And I'm going to ask you guys what your your preferred lineup would be and just go through the reasoning for that. I'm going to come to Danny first. What, what would your starting 11 be and why? Okay, so... Even though I'm not a Kepler fan, I'm not going to drop him for, for Big Willie. I'm going to stick him between the sticks. Um, we need to we need him in a shop window. We can't be dropping him. Hopefully, we can sell him on soon. And <laughs> the more game time he is, the more likely he's to get a move away, hopefully. Um, and at right back, I'd actually stick Cesar Azpilicueta. I've been incredibly impressed with him. Some of his delivery is very good. He's an excellent one-on-one defender. He wasn't great from corners today. I found it very amusing how he kept trying to get himself in the in the middle of the um, the attackers at, at corners. But it wasn't his best game. But Rhys James has really struggled in, in his few minutes and, and that worries me. Centre-back, I don't think Frank will drop Rudiger, but he has to go. It's got to be Christensen and Zuma for me. Um, I can't watch Rudiger. I just can't. I have zero confidence on him in him on the ball. Uh, and it doesn't need any more explaining. Left back, it's like the lesser of two evils, but I'm going to go Marcus Alonso because I don't want to see Emerson. Uh, and I I don't want to see Aspi on the left because it just he can't really cross from the left. Emerson wasn't even on the bench today, by the way. Very no, good. Yeah, very good. Um, then at six, here is my dilemma. I love Kante. But are Watford going to really do anything coming the other way to justify him playing in the six? I'm going to stick with Frank and, and keep it as it is. So I'll have Kante in the six. I'll have Mason on his left. And I will have a tough one. I might be tempted to start Ruben as the right centre mid. It's Ruben or Kovacic, depending on how training goes. Uh, I definitely have Olivier Giroud at top. Tammy was awful today. I thought he tried really hard, but he just wasn't at the races. And then Pulisic has to start on the left because he's carrying us. And I don't know if William's going to be tired. He's, he's playing full 90s, left, right and centre. But if he can if he can manage it, I'd stick William on, on the right. So I don't know what you boys think. Um, I'm with Danny. I think Kepa needs to play shot window. Summer's transfers coming. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Caballero does start, to be honest, um, given he played really well against Leicester in the Cup. Um, my lineup will be based on performance of tonight, and Lampard needs to start using these young players to give him match fitness so we can go straight into next season whenever that is to start. So even though he's had a poor game against Leicester, Reese James has to start. I- he needs 
be playing to like get that match fitness, um, becoming the right back for Chelsea, which we all know he will be. Uh, centre backs, I'm with Danny again. Rudiger has to has to be out. Our best pairing is Zuma and Tamori. I'm not sure if Tamori be 100% fit, but I have Zuma or and Christensen. But if if Tamori is available, Zuma Tamori and left back. I put as for the quote there. Like I know. He can't cross on the left, like you say, Danny. But um, we need a cert, like, assurance that mm. side. I don't trust Alonso after watching that. Because against Watford, Watford will be sitting back in that. They've got some good pacey players in that. And Alonso's gone wandering up the pitch with a poor cross into the box. You've got Dele Ferro, that uh, saw on the wing in that. Mm. Alonso won't have the legs to get back. Changing formation. I've always been a fan of the 4-3-3. But I think it will be the double pivot. I do see Jorginho playing alongside Kante in that role. I agree what we said earlier, Orlando, I think. Kovacic will start on the bench this game. I think he'll, he want the reassurance of defence with Kante playing and Jorginho being the leader of telling everyone to be. Uh, from left to right, Pulisic, no-brainer. He, he is, as everyone says, Captain America. He's our new hazard at the moment. Uh, right wing, William, if he's still 100% fit, he starts, but I wouldn't I wouldn't see might see uh, Pedro starting because he needs some. He he'd be like a farewell sort of thing. And for the middle, uh, Mason Mount in behind uh, Tammy. I only only think this because Tammy was poor. I agree, um, but he needed Mason Mount, who's like his. He'll be like at Werner next season. He just plays alongside in the press, the one twos, all sorts of like that. But even Drew come on and changed it a bit. It is aerial ability, but. I think um, people are saying to me, I've seen people mention me on Twitter today, actually, just after the game, saying, are people worrying about Tammy now because he's just come back from injury? He's had a whole lockdown to bulk up, all those sort of things. And we've got the Werner coming in. Is he, not say, playing for a starting position? Maybe I'd see Werner playing alongside him in that, but I think it's a, it's a bit tussle on that, Giroud and Abraham at the moment, but I'd go with Abraham for this one. All right, um, I'm going to stick Kappa in goal as well, as as I think you both said, stick him in the shot window, um, even though he's pretty terrible. Um, right back, I'm definitely taking Reese James. I think we need creativity from wherever we can get it, and especially with that in mind. No, sorry, not with that in mind, but I feel like, especially in this game, we need the creativity due to the fact that I'm going to be playing in order to combat Troy Deeney's aerial prowess. And he's quite a similar player to Mikel Antonio, actually, in the way that he, he will jump for every header, he will go for every second ball. Um, I'm going to play our most physical centre-back pairing, I think, in Kurt Zuma and Takayo Tomori. I hope Tomori's fit, Um I don't think he'll start, but this is what I would do if I were Frank Lampard. Um, that's also our most kind of tried and tested, if you like, uh, centre-back partnership that, that's had the most success out of, out of all four guys together. Uh, so I, I would play them, and I would also stick N'Golo Kante at the base of midfield to have that kind of defensive trifecta um, in order to kind of uh, combat uh, Troy Deeney, who, who will undoubtedly cause us problems just like Mikel Antonio did 
Um, left back, I'll have uh, Cesar Azpilicueta. You can't drop him. He, he's Mr. Consistent. Even if he's not very good at crossing from the left, I don't really care, to be honest. He'll, he'll defend against Ismail Assar. Um, and he, he, he lifts. We saw it when he came on against Leicester at the weekend. He lifts the display of all his teammates. When he plays well, in fact, he doesn't even have to play well, but when he's on the pitch, when he's kind of shouting at everyone else, that lifts their, their performance. Uh, so I'm, that's my back four. Obviously, I've already said I'm going to have Kante in the six, uh, just kind of clearing everything up when it gets cleared. Hopefully, we won't have the same problems that we did with Mikel Antonio. Um, quite a defensive back five or six, um, apart from Rhys James. So I'm going to have two number eights who will just attack um, in Mason Mount and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. That was uh, about a year ago, or not a year ago, but at the beginning of the season. Or no, even while Sarri was in charge, about a year ago, yeah, I was saying this is the midfield that I want Chelsea to be playing in the years to come. And Golo Kante, Mason Mount and Ruben Loftus-Cheek is just a beautiful, beautiful midfield. If, well, the day that... I don't think it will happen this weekend, but the day that those three start together will be a beautiful day. Um, and then as my front three, I'm going to have definitely Christian Pulisic on one wing. On the other, I would have William because I think he's been really good. Uh, but he has to rest at some point, otherwise he'll just get burnt out um, and he'll get or he'll get injured. Um, so I'm going to bring in Callum Hudson-Odoi for his first appearance since the restart um, because he's he just offers creativity. Maybe he won't work so hard defensively as William does, uh, but that's not necessarily needed against the side like Watford, who will sit back. So I'm going to have Callum Hudson-Odoi for that extra attacking edge um, and up top I'm you guys both said he had a bad game today but I don't think he did I think Tammy Abraham who I'm going to uh, select uh, for my team against Watford best. it wasn't his best but I, he didn't really have any service and every time I looked at him he was looking to make things happen he was always moving in behind he was getting very frustrated that the ball didn't come at me um, so I don't think he did badly obviously he didn't score he didn't really have any chances though so I, I don't I don't think you can put too much blame on him. And equally, Olivier Giroud came on and immediately had more chances than Tabby did and didn't do well with them at all. Um, so I would definitely go with Tammy. And that's a, a really youthful, uh, pacey front three that I think I think would do really well against Watford's very ageing defence. Uh, I saw quite a few Watford fans commenting on Twitter about how they really need an overhaul this summer. Um, I might switch one if. Oh yeah. You're getting about Hudson Odoi. Yeah. I would put, like say William, but I think he needs a rest. I've completely forgot Hudson Odoi's possibly match fit. I'm not 100 sure, but. Well, he was on the bench today. Yeah, I mean he needs the minutes. Like maybe Pedro might start mm. and Hudson will come on. But if you've got Pulisic on the left flank doing what he's doing, being our best player on the pitch, Hudson Odoi is that on the right hand side. He's got the pace. He's got the creativity. In that. I'm not slandering William at all, but I think. A fully re- rejuvenated Hudson Doyle in that right flank can just penetrate Watford enough because we've got both flanks who can do damage on him. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And when when those two are both on top form playing together either side, it, it will be an amazing sight to behold, to be honest. Both fan- uh, the fact that 
I think Callum is 19 and Pulisic is 21. You know, in five years, those guys will be in their prime and hopefully they're both still at Chelsea. That will be a real force to be reckoned with. Um, So, yeah, um, I really think we shouldn't have any problems winning this game, to be honest. But if we do, then maybe we start to worry Man U and Wolves kind of creeping up behind us. Um, But we we should do all right. Um, I'm sure we'll be recording another uh, podcast podcast after that game as a reaction we might even have another one uh, uh, non uh, a, a podcast coming out before before that game just not on current events going on but on something else um, so yeah thank you guys both uh, for joining me today I don't think there's much more to touch on uh, the game today um, so yeah thanks Jordan Glad you're both. and thank you very much once again Danny yeah, thanks for having me. No problem at all. So, yeah, uh, that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Obviously, as I said at the beginning, you can find us on all our social ma- social media platforms, on our Twitter. Have a look at our website. Danny mentioned one of the articles that he's writing. That will hopefully be up soon. Uh, but we, re- we release new, new articles pretty much every day. Uh, obviously this podcast is available on all platforms on Spotify, Apple, Deezer, Google, whatever. Uh, once again thank you guys for joining me and thank you for watching not watching, thank you for listening (laughs) see you next time